Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. That is what a like the late great Cab Calloway Blues Brothers. There you have it. It is twelve thirty-five. And Edmonton Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott, with you. Daily face-off strength ceremony brought to you by the horses and horse race in Alberta. Live thoroughbred racing back at Century Mile Racetrack and Casino every Friday and Saturday. For more information, head to thehorses.com. And we bring Frank aboard. Hello, Frank. How you doing? I'm good. My selection would have been Eye of the Tiger. Eye of the Tiger. Yeah, it was a, it was a pretty. You're a Rocky Three guy, eh? Uh, I'm a general Rocky fan, yes. Now, uh, are you mythical, Bill... mythical creature here in Philly? Well, so mythical that Bill Bill Burr actually made fun of it with the Philly rant, which is one of the greatest uh, comedic moments of all time. Bill's coming to Edmonton. I think he's here in about ten days. I'm going to be out of town during that. He's the... actually here. He's near me this weekend. Okay. And uh, by the way, Bill Burr, big fan, unsolicited of Daily Faceoff, mentioned it on his pod recently as you know big hockey fan and and said he you know that's his go-to site for lineups and information for his fantasy team well i will tell you that when when we were in las vegas in round number two uh bill has a really good relationship with paul coffee uh, they're friends, and and I owe Jack a little bit of a favor here too, because he made sure, and Paul took care of us, and we got the the full the full spiel. Man, we we went. The weird thing is, you have to leave your phone in a bag, right? Because there's no pictures, and you can't steal other guys' acts and stuff. Because you know Dennis Leary. Anyhow, I digress. And Bill Hex, you know that whole story. So, anyways, afterwards we had a meet and greet with Bill, and he asked me whether or not I, if I was like uh, part of the mob. And I guess I was looking a little heavy that day, but uh, very funny man. And yes, the Philly rant and the infamous line about uh, Philadelphia being a city that's got a statue for Rocky, a make-believe character, but doesn't ha- have one for Smoking Joe Fraser, who actually comes from Philadelphia. So there you have it. So anything from Rocky for you would suffice, is what you're saying. Pretty much, yep. Either that or uh, my next go-to lead-in song for an intro to a segment would be Philadelphia Freedom. Now, that song was actually deployed maybe, uh, were you, I'm just thinking of how old, were you born, you were not born in 74, 75, so. 75, 76, yeah. in either of those two years. I know for a fact that Hockey Night in Canada used that song during one of the Flyer-Bruins, I think it would, would have been the 74 playoffs, the Flyers-Bruins playoff games, or maybe it was the next year against Buffalo, uh, but they def, because, so, go ahead. 
I actually I have some trivia for you. Okay. Which is the last Stanley Cup winning team, or actually just any roster in general, that featured entirely and exclusively Canadian players? The 1974-75 Philadelphia Flyers. Correct. It's funny. I mean, St. Louis had a lot of Canadians when they won. Vegas had a lot of Canadians this year, though they had a really good American that uh, kind of flipped the script a bit. Boy, we had a lot of feedback on that. We had a guy named Wood Guy, uh, Darcy McLeod, and he basically said the Oilers blew the matchup and should have had McLeod uh, with Derek Ryan and uh, Fogel going against uh, Eichel because McDavid and uh, McLeod can skate with them. By the way, uh, McLeod and Bouchard are both restricted free agents. Do you envision any offer sheets of any potential RFAs out there? And do you think Chris McFarland maybe moved quickly on getting Bowen Byram done because he thought there might be one coming his way? I know he did. Uh, there was certainly some panic and or heightened awareness in Colorado the last I don't know, five days leading into free agency, they had a sense that an offer sheet might be coming. Um, and they started pushing pretty hard from, you know, right around the draft until getting it done on July 1st um, because they were worried that an offer sheet might be coming that would attempt to blow up a bit of their defense um, and certainly make life difficult for them either which way, either losing the player or um, having to deal with the increased cap hit that comes from the offer sheet. So there were certainly some nervous moments. Uh, Ultimately, didn't come to pass. We know how rare offer sheets are. And I don't expect one in this case, but I do think, you know, in the very back of the Edmonton Oilers' mind is, let's just get this over with as soon as we can. With uh, Evan Bouchard most likely on a two-year deal, and now probably... You know, we're, we're looking at 3.85, 3.9 million. I would think 3.8, something like that for Evan in the next couple of years because he's got the superior numbers to Bowen Byram and he stayed healthier. Frank Cervalli joins us right now. Uh, what I was be surprised, by the way, if that number was touching 4 million. Um, okay just based on the way the Byram contract played out. Yeah, well, every extra 50,000 is 50,000 less to spend in another area. Uh that's let's, let's do this Frank, uh the Connor Brown contract, absolutely no surprise. What do you th- what do you think of the fit with the Oilers? I think it's a grand slam home run. Um it's to be able to get a player of that caliber and with that type of contract structure, yes, you're kicking the can down the road a bit um, and potentially into next eating up part of next year's increase. But you worry about next year when you get to next year. And if you have to make tough decisions then because you load it up to go for it now, um, I think everyone in Edmonton would be okay with that. And more than that, I just think Connor Brown's a unique player. I think he can do a lot of different things. Um, I think his skill set is pretty impressive, and I really liked what I learned behind the scenes from Connor Brown as he went through this sort of arduous ACL recovery. We know that it takes time, but in the meantime, while he wasn't able to skate and wasn't able to properly train, he said, you know what, I'm going to reinvent myself and my diet. I want to find some small way to get better. And in the meantime, that's essentially what he did was tried to work on little different areas. Um, 
the reports back medically were all incredibly positive. Uh, he's been skating in the Toronto area for a bit, uh, not expecting any future issues. And not to say that these knee injuries and surgeries are routine now, but the thing that doctors learned when they went in was there was no other additional damage, that it was more or less a clean tear. There wasn't any meniscus or um, MCL problems. It was purely an ACL. And as ugly as the situation was for him, he kind of came through it um, in, a, in a really nice way and now is able to hit the ground running and and be in a great spot with some familiar faces on a team that has a chance to win and still put a little money in his pocket at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. Frank Saravalli joining us for the Horses and Horse Race in Alberta. Brad Trailiving, uh, you know, you can't debate. I mean, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisettle, Frank scored 11 of the Oilers' 19 goals against Vegas. Nobody would debate for a second whether or not they're dug in. They're dug in. I mean, all you need to mm-hmm. do is... Look at the recruitment that took place with Connor Brown. He could have gone lots of other places. He chose to come to Edmonton to play with Connor McDavid. Um, So where I'm going with this is the Oilers' stars are dug in. I think it's fair to question whether or not the Maple Leafs' top-end guys have proven uh, to be dug in yet. Is Brad Trailiving helping them along by changing the identity, the mix, the makeup of that team by uh, first getting Reeves done on a three-year deal and then getting one-year deals done on Bertuzzi and Domi? I think he is because you look at that Toronto Maple Leafs team and for the most part, they're pretty quiet. They've got, you know, some superstars in Austin Matthews, but he's a pretty low key guy and there's not a lot of volume, not a lot of swagger that comes with that. And it was one of the things that I thought was missing from their team last year, especially as Matthews had a sort of, season for mere mortals and you add Reeves and he turns up the volume. You talk to Bill Guerin and the impact that Reeves had in Minnesota, how important that is to a team. Well, he just traded for Pat Maroon to basically do the same thing in Minnesota. So Reeves comes in and people don't love the contract in Toronto, but it's not really going to matter because if he's not playing up to snuff and can't remain in the lineup, it's an easy contract to bury on the Marlies. And more than that, I love the flexibility that the Leafs have gotten themselves now with adding uh, Bertuzzi and Domi, two guys that also have some edge. But if you think about it from a pure math and numbers perspective, if the Toronto Maple Leafs feel like they're reaching a dead end with William Nylander and banging their heads against the wall and they want to move him. Theoretically, the production from Domi and Bertuzzi, Bertuzzi is a better version of bunting, if you think about it from that perspective. They're able to essentially cover off a potential loss of William Nylander if they decide to trade him somewhere and get back, I don't know, a right-shot defenseman on an entry-level contract, or whatever it may be that they're targeting. I still think that team needs some help on the right side of their defense. That's the one area that they continue to lack in. And now if if he finds a way to get a deal done or keeps Nylander into the season, then you're just still loaded at forward and there's no harm, no foul. So no strings attached, one-year deals seems to make a lot of sense. Don't Toronto have cap issues? Are they just going to buy out Matt Murray? And best, your best bet in terms of if they if Brad Trailiving decides to to trade Nylander, where does he end up? 
the Leafs don't seem to think they have cap issues. They must have some plan up their sleeve. I, I yeah. don't think they want to buy out Matt Murray. I think their preference would be to trade him. I still wonder if he's an LTIR candidate based on the injuries that he's had. And he may not be now, but he may be, you know, a couple weeks into training camp. You never Ro- really know. Robot Island, Lupul Island. Yeah, maybe. And then you, you look at um, the opportunity that may exist with uh, this buyout. I'd expect Samsonov to file for arbitration before 5 p.m. Eastern today. Yep. That opens up a second window if you need it. And you figure it out from there. I had to. I, I did find it interesting. Speaking of buyouts, Detroit must have obviously really liked Clem Costin. Uh, I know we had a one of the media pundits say that uh, Steve Eiserman just stole two top nine forwards from the Edmonton Oilers in Costin and Yamamoto. That tweet didn't age very well the next day when Detroit no, bought, out, uh, bought out Yamamoto. Your take on what, I, I mean, clearly they, they held uh, Costin in high esteem in Detroit if they were prepared to eat a million bucks on Yamamoto. Yeah, I mean, if you consider it from that perspective, then I had mentioned before that I thought the Oilers found a way to get out of Yamamoto for free. And if you think about it from that way, Costin essentially ended up being the sweetener. Yes. And clearly the Wings had interest in in Costin and not Yamamoto, and Yamamoto was the tougher sell. I also happen to think that's a mistake. And not for nothing, um, I think some of the moves that the Detroit Red Wings made this, trade, this free agent period were highly questionable. Me too. I look at the makeup of that defense now, and you go from Sherratt to Wallman to Gostaspare. Um, I just, oof, I, I'm not seeing it. And then Reimer and Ned, I, 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 don't, I don't, I'm struggling to fully grasp what Steve Eiserman is doing. It almost feels like someone is turning up the pressure on him internally to have this team turn around in short order because the rest of their guys aren't exactly coming along as quickly as they thought they might. And I think this is just my own personal opinion. I actually think he set this team back. Well, I'll, I'll take it. I, you, you didn't include Justin Hall. That was the like three years for $3.4 million for him. Like, I know Detroit would have kicked well, tires on Wall, Cody's. Wallman's, Wallman's worse. Yeah. Like... They got. I mean, they got four guys between Schrott, Gossespair, Wall. Five defensemen making north of three million. But are any of them? Certainly, none of them are top pairing guys. I might argue they're all third pairing guys making that type of money. And I don't know what I'm saying. I think they're and they're all kind of. Are they? I don't want to say none of them are in the way of Cider, but none of them are helping him or supporting him. Right. I just I think this team's going in the opposite direction. Me too. You're hoping that they try and make a step and try and get in the playoffs. I think he's just set this team back three years. Well, uh, Frank, let's take it one step further. You know who's got the worst combined record in the National Hockey League over the last five seasons? Detroit. Detroit does. So some people might say, well, Ken Holland and, you know, Tyler Wright was drafting those. At a certain point here, those guys have been gone from Detroit for four years. Steve's been there for four. Um, Ken Holland took over a 25th place team in Edmonton, and he's got the eighth best record in the league. 
the last four seasons and the second best record in the league since February the 10th of 2022. Frank Saravalli joining us. So let me ask you this. Al Murray ends up leaving Tampa. Yeah. I see a promotion today for Chris Draper, assistant GM and director of amateur scouting. Yeah. Does that mean there's no chance that Steve Eiserman and Al Murray reunite? Well, I, may, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you there. Al I mean, Murray, to my estimation, was not only one of the very best amateur scouts and scouting directors on the planet, but it was also the highest paid. I believe there, are, there were rumblings that he was earning north of a million dollars a year which is almost unheard of in NHL front offices. For a, for, uh, for a director, yeah. yeah. I'm fascinated to see where he lands. Well, uh, we have uh, Brian Lawton on after you, and he's the first one to credit Al for the depth of what Tampa Bay hit on in selections, uh, you know, over the course of the last several years. Uh, John Gibson, Anaheim, four tough years in a row. Uh, that situation going to get resolved this summer, do you think? interesting one i'll say that um the frustration i think has mounted the idea that you have to show up to the rink every day and get pelted with rubber and basically know going into the rink that you have no chance to win that wears on you that's difficult um i thought it was fascinating that in the strongly worded and way over the top statement from Gibson's agent refuting what I said, he also seemed to gloss over or didn't dispute any of the notion that I had put out there a few weeks ago that he had requested the trade. Right. Uh, I think they've tried to do a good job to tamp this down and make it not be inflammatory, but I think there's lots, you know, sort of bubbling under the surface there that he doesn't want to, he wants to compete. It's not so much about Anaheim, it's about what they don't have and their ability to win anytime soon that I think has really bothered him as one of the game's great competitors. Well, I, for me, I mean, I, Pat for Beak, Pat for Beak's, like that scouting staff's done a good job. They've hit on, they had the top scoring defenseman, as you know, Frank, in the WHL, the OHL, and the Quebec League. I'm telling you right now, Olin Zellweger, who is a local pro, I'm guaranteeing you he plays and he is not going to need to be hid as a third-pairing offensive defenseman like a kid like De- like D'Angelo has been in his career. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to guarantee you he has a higher, just because I know how hard he works. You know, when when guys are committing four hours a day with that kind of uh, athletic ability and competitiveness and, and don't, like, if you watched him, he didn't rest the way you see defensemen. Like, Bouchard rested at times in London, right? And he's got that slow pulse, and he doesn't... You watch Zellweger, and he looks like he's capable, uh, and part of it has to do with his conditioning. So they've got some good prospects coming, but they got Jamie Drysdale ahead of them that's going to run their power play. That's a six-overall pick. Um, but I got to tell you, Frank, that contract they gave to Kalorn. And even the one Nagudis, I was like, wow. Like I have no issue with either one of them. Okay, well, that's all good. And uh, I'll tell you why. Yep, go for because it. Because first off, the Ducks are still $6 million short of the salary cap floor and have to spend. Second, these are purposeful, curated selections 
One, Pat Verbeek knows Alex Kalorn from Tampa. Sure. Loves the leadership. And Kalorn still had 64 points last year. Like, he can still play. I don't know what it's going to look like in year three or four of the deal, but if you're so far below the floor, what's the difference? You need to get better support for your young players. And second, you talked about their defense prospects in Anaheim. Go take a look at their roster. They've got two bona fide NHL defensemen on that roster before you get to Gudis. They needed to fill out that group, and Gudis is going to do a better job of protecting what they're trying to build. Fair comment. They didn't have the proper support, and now they have a better – it's still not there yet, but at least – it gives them a, a fighting chance, a, a better opportunity to stay in the mix. I'm not saying Gudis is the answer, but for three years, I, I believe before free agency started, he was in the three times three two five range. So if you need to pay a slight premium, seven hundred fifty thousand a year to get him to go there, what's the difference? Edmund, Edmonton's been the floor anyway. Frank Edmonton's been there before. Final question, if you can answer in thirty seconds or less. Which goalie goes first, Gibson or Hellebuck? Ooh, uh, Hellebuck. I, uh, I think at least two different contractual situations. Gibson's got the term, but his numbers have sloughed off. At least I think someone will potentially be willing to pay a premium to get a guy that you know is in one of the five or six handful of goalies every year that allows you to sleep soundly at night, knowing that, he can be the backbone of your team. Hey, Frank, uh, Jeff Robillard just reached out from Horse Race in Alberta. Are you good to continue this over the course of the summer with us? I am. Let's do it. There you go. That is Frank Saravalli for the horses in Horse Race in Alberta. Thanks a lot, Frank. 12.56. We'll be back in two minutes. You're listening to Winners Now. Takes a man back to uh, 1986, the summer. That and Take My Breath Away by Berlin from the same soundtrack. Songs that remind you immediately of movies. Danger Zone, Kenny Loggins. Welcome back, Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you. Guests on the show receive guest certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. It's the greatest steak you've ever had. You can follow the sizzle to 99.90 Jasper Avenue and tell Chris and Chef Eltaff that Oilers Now sent you. Roos Chris is open Tuesday through Sunday from 5 p.m. until close. And the Oilers Now injury report is brought to you all season long. Trent Brown. Brendan, you know this. This is killing them right now with what's going on with the Edmonton Elks. James H. Brown, uh, injury lawyers, proud supporters of the Edmonton Oilers, the Edmonton Elks, U of A Golden Bears. It's just simple. They get you the best results. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. This text comes in. Bob, you're 100% right on uh, Justin Hall. (laughs) He was brutal for the Leafs. They gave him $3.4 million, man. Times like three years. It's crazy. Again, you can text us. And we got literally hundreds of texts. I apologize if we uh, uh, couldn't get to it. Bob, what do you think it would take to get uh, Brett Pesci? Yeah, I think that would be hard to do. I got to tell you, I mentioned that about a week and a half ago. Don't see it happening. But uh, we'll see. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Randy Kilburn. Brian Lawton for Wow Factor Desserts coming up at 105.